Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. How's it? So, I can't come here and not sing. I mean, your church is called Breakthrough. And um, I want to sing something. I want to declare... you know, I, I say this a lot to worship leaders and <clears throat> musicians. You know, songs go to places where sermons can never go. So if I can get a song stuck in your spirit this morning that you can leave singing, you might not remember what I say, but you'll remember what I sing. So I'm going to sing my message and then I'll preach my message. How's that work out? You good for that? Um, I want to read this verse. Uh, This is where I feel like the Lord wants to do this morning. And if you have your Bible, you can open up to 2 Corinthians. I want to just read this. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. I was, um, in January, I was in Iraq and... Um, you know, we have a long-term project over there, a long-term team. It's a nation we've been investing into for many years. And I had a team with me, about 20, 21 or 22 doctors, uh, medical professionals, nurses, um, all kind of amazing people that were coming to minister to the Syrian refugees that were fleeing war. And um, they had just shown up. None of them had ever heard ever heard about Jesus. Can you imagine that? Never. I mean, a very unreached people group. And we were there and it was just a powerful time. We were seeing miracles and God show up. And and I, I actually had my guitar with me because I just bring it everywhere. I'm just ready in and out of season. You know, God, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to sing? And I really felt this stirring in one of our breaks to go and, and release a song uh, a couple hills over and we were in an area in Iraq that's called the Nineveh Plains. And the Nineveh Plains is, is, is everything basically, see if I can get this right. I think it's everything basically, uh, east of Mosul. And you guys know Mosul is ancient Nineveh. And so that's the city of Jonah you know, that's the city that he was running from. And so I, I wanted to go to the Nineveh Plains and just sing. I just wanted to declare this song that I'm about to sing with you guys. And I really felt like it was a prophetic thing that the Lord was somehow going to use this moment to call the Jonas to stop running. Amen. Some of you guys today are Jonas. It's time to stop running. God's will will hunt you down. Just give up. 
So anyway, I got out there. I got my guitar. It was, I climbed this hill. It's crazy. I was with a buddy of mine who's a videographer. And, and um, we, we snuck a drone in, which is illegal in Iraq, but somehow we found a way. <clears throat> and uh, we walked through this hill that's probably full of landmines and whatever. There's sheep everywhere. And we just set up. I had a microphone. We plugged in to this microphone and captured on this little tiny device just this sound. And we, I just began to sing and prophesy and declare. And nobody around except for sheep. Right? At least they were listening. But what was funny about that is as we took that little tiny recording and it, I didn't do overdubs. It wasn't the most pretty thing. It wasn't tuned. It wasn't polished. It was just this guitar and this voice singing in the Nineveh Plains. And we ended up taking that, what was captured there. And I don't know, the, I just felt like the Lord said, just release it. It's going to call the Jonas home. So I released it on, um, as an EP with the videos and the drone footage. And it just went crazy it, uh, in America. Uh, it, it went like number one on iTunes and it went crazy on Spotify. And it was just this, it was hilarious because it costed me nothing. I'm like, Lord, I've spent a lot of time and energy on other projects that didn't do anything like this one did. But there was something about the calling out to the sons and daughters, stop running, stop running, stop running. It says this in Second uh, Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Turn to someone and say, the old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Notice it doesn't say the ministry of offense. The ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. That is powerful. God's making his appeal to humanity through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It means stop being offended and angry and bitter. You are God's ambassador. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All right, so you're going to sing this with me now. Just now. Now, now. See, it's getting more severe every time we go. For the old has gone And the new has come We are free from fear We're found in your love A new creation We're children of God For the old has gone And the new has come
Arise, my soul, it's time to celebrate the letting go of yesterday. Carried on the wings of your wind to heights and depths where we've never been. Come on, sing with me. For the old has gone and the new has come. We are free from fear, we're found in your love. A new creation, we're children of God, for the old has gone. And the new has come. Awake, O oh harp. Awake, O oh harp. Sing a joyful song. The coming home. All that's lost is now found. The fields are ripe. It's the harvest. We declare that over South Africa. Can't stop this move it's your kingdom come come on every voice for the old has gone and the new has come we are free from fear we're found in your love a new creation we're children of God the old has gone and the new has come alright everybody's got to stand up for this part come on pretend you're in kids church this morning we're going to do some motions y'all like motions well too bad we're doing them anyway alright here we go come on you got to do like this come on take some steps with me one foot in front of the other I'm stepping into your promises Eyes fixed on all that's before me I'm stepping into your prom Come on, prophesy! Prophesy this morning! One foot and one foot in front of the other Come on, we're going somewhere I'm stepping into your promises Eyes fixed on all that's before me I'm stepping into your promise Come on, sing it one last time, the old is gone For the old
So if you don't remember anything I say, I want you to leave singing that. And singing that. Because we're going somewhere. Come on, tell someone. Say, we're going somewhere. From glory to glory to glory to glory. We're advancing. We're taking ground. <clears throat> it's hard to imagine, you know, coming here in 2010 and and such a random connection. And you know what's interesting is I probably shouldn't be here today. I definitely shouldn't. Um, I have like the least amount of time and bandwidth in my life in ever to get on a plane and be like, I'm going to go to the farthest place. Literally, like, you don't understand. This is the little farthest place from where I live. Like, it's not even a competition. And um, I love the nations. I used to go to 20, 30 nations a year. I mean, this was just my life. And our mandate has shifted in the last season, and we've been really fighting for the future of our own nation. And um, there's just so much favor and acceleration and a massive platform that we're trying to steward. And so my team just thinks it's hilarious. It's like we just hosted this live, massive, huge gathering in Nashville that was broadcast on TBN around the world. And Sean's just like, I'm getting on a plane to South Africa. See you guys. (laughs) But I really feel like this is a prophetic moment. I don't take this lightly. Everything that I know that God has me do, there's a purpose behind it. I'm not a conference guy. I don't just go through the motions. I go where God tells me to go and say what he tells me to say. So I expect this morning 100% of everyone's lives to get wrecked. That's my expectation. So don't disappoint me. Um, I, uh, I do want to just say this in the beginning. Um, Seeing from, from the journey from 2010 until now and, and being a part of the historic gathering on Friday, like you have to be living in a hole in the ground to not realize God is doing something in this nation and with this church. I'll never forget, we were just down there. It was just such a weird, random, hilarious, fun, joyful crazy gathering the first time I was here down in that small room downstairs and the joy of the Lord hit and we were crazy and I think we were running around the building at some point and saying crazy stuff and declaring some crazy stuff and I remember looking around thinking this might be my people (laughs) and now seeing that there's a platform that's been entrusted to with pastors and leaders from across the nation that would gather and that 5,000 or 6,000 or more people would come and yesterday on Friday and that there would be a historic altar call where people would be laying down their addictions and their, and their, and their sin and their compromise and coming to Jesus. I mean, did you guys, I mean, just look at this. Show a couple pictures if you can or a video. That works too. I mean, your church hosted this. For the nation. You got to be more excited than that. I mean.
Even the security guys are dancing. All right, that's awesome. Isn't that amazing? So, so you have a call as a church. I know I'm here because you have a call. It's like we can't, well, we're just a nice, sweet church. And we're just like, we have a coffee shop. And we're just so cool. And we're sweet. And we do brides together. All that stuff is great. But you have a national platform that God's entrusted you to. To change a nation. And there comes a seriousness with that task, you know. And I just, first of all, want to, I want to just say Moses and this band did a phenomenal job. God has really placed his hand and his anointing on the worship of this house. And I believe it's going to be a sound that awakens the nation. Amen. Um, I want to share really quick. Oh, let me give you a little life update. So when we came here 10 years ago, today, 10 years ago, this was the picture right there in the yard that was in front of this church 10 years ago. And we were celebrating and, and rolling around between eating pieces of meat and it was incredible time. And now fast forward 10 years later, this is my family. And good-looking bunch. We got, uh, we got Keturah. We got Malachi. We got Ezra. We got Zion, the lion. And they are all obsessed with South Africa. They were so mad at me the other day because um, I was riding through the bush and I was eating, you know, biltong. And I just thought it would be fun to FaceTime them. And they just got on FaceTime and they were like, Dad, you're dead to us. You didn't bring us. We don't trust you with our lives anymore. Um, they deeply, deeply love this nation. And we've built some incredible memories throughout the years. And their hearts are, are connected here. Um, and, you know, my, my boys, they just want to binge watch African videos of lions killing giraffes. And they just think it's the greatest thing ever. <clears throat> and so, um, so we, our family, we love this nation. But I also want to give you a little update, too. I don't know how many of you heard, but um, last year, um, so we walked through this thing in 2020, and God told me to launch this movement, and I was re- very reluctant, and it came with a lot of pushback, and it came with a lot of hardship, and it came with a lot of uh, drama, really. Um, and I'm not even a drama guy, but it just was like, followed us everywhere we went. And uh, by the way, if you want to pursue the call of God and think you're not going to be controversial, give me a break. Like, we're celebrating Jesus who changed the world, and he died for it. And we think we're just going to be Christians, and we're going to change the world, and everyone's going to like us. Ah. You are born for controversy. Like, every single one of you, like, drama follows you. Controversy, everywhere I go, I just feel like I, yeah, because you're a Bible-believing, tongue-talking, spirit-filled Men, women of God. And the devil hates you. And so anyway, we walked into a season that was incredibly controversial and crazy and whatever. <coughs> of course, we were called super spreaders. And um, I didn't like that name at first. And then the Lord started to speak to me. And he goes, that's actually, yeah, that's who you are. You're just not spreading what they think you're spreading. You're spreading a kingdom of joy and hope and breakthrough and freedom. 
And so anyway, we thought the ultimate troll move would be to make a movie out of the what was supposed to be called the slam against us as super spreaders. We're like, we'll just make a movie called Super Spreader. So we did. And this film called Super Spreader was the very first film, very first film to be released about the pandemic. Just think about this. Okay, this was the first film to ever be released in major theaters that told the story of what we collectively walked through in the world. And it was the first film released in theaters, but yet it told the story from God's point of view. I just want to show you the trailer real quick because I'm trying to get John to show this here. America's bedrock principle of religious freedom is being severely tested by the pandemic. Singing has been banned at all church services in California. We need to bend the curve. I can feel something inside of me like we've got to take a stand. Christian singer and activist Sean Foyt leading what's called Let Us Worship. This guy is probably responsible for hundreds of deaths. We thank you, Lord. That there is another story that the media isn't telling. It is one of hope. There's a pandemic. There's a plague. Here's a move of God. It's going to change America. The whole thing is fear, man. It's fear. It's intimidation. Courage is taught when you see it. You can't teach it as principles. You have to see it modeled. Christians are rising up. I'm telling you guys. Light overcomes darkness every day. This is not political. This is biblical. Super Spreader. Rated PG-13. In theaters September 29th. Come on. So, I never wanted to do a movie. I just was like never on my list. I don't, I'm not one of those people. I feel called to Hollywood. I don't give a rip about Hollywood. Um, but we did this film, and we put, it was like a million bucks, which is, a lot, but for a film going to major theaters, it's not a lot. Um, and the day that it was released, it went out in, I think it was 900 theaters. It was supposed to be a one-off film. It was supposed to be shown one day, and, and then it was done. And so we were encouraging everyone to go. And the first day that it came out, it was actually a top four in the top four movies in all of America. This is insane. It's a documentary, right? Showing the power of God. And it's, it's, we did it in a very unique way where we, we let, uh, you know, the, the, the agitators share their side of the story. But yet it's undeniable because you see the miracles and you see the, you know, the freedom and you see people that were going to commit suicide, get healed. I mean, it's crazy, right? So we, we showed this too and basically let the viewer decide, what do you think? And it started in one night in theaters, and they ended up being extended for three weeks in theaters across America. And what's interesting about it is the number one uh, market in America for this film, meaning the number one place where it was watched the most out of any other city or any other region was Los Angeles, California. And the guys in the industry were just like, you don't understand— Christian movies don't, like, they don't do good, but they really don't do good in Los Angeles. I mean, there was another film that came out at the same time, an LGBTQ, just a gross film called Bros, came out the same night. Ours was crushing it in the box office. And I share that with you because um, 
the, the, what we did Friday and what's taking place, and I'm, I'm putting a shameless plug because I, I really think you guys should host a night or two and watch this. I think it'll really encourage you. Um, but South Africa is such a big part of that story because when we came last year, we're like, I don't know if we should t- kind of take this thing international. I don't know if it's got a win for that. I don't know if God's in it. And we did. And we planned that event, and John kept saying, I don't know, man. Like, the country still hasn't opened up yet. And I'm just thinking, what is wrong with you guys down there? Like, and I'm like, break the rules, you know? Like, I'm like, That's, it's like, here, here's the funny thing. You want to hear something really interesting? I'm getting on a tangent, but this is good. So for, for 15 years, the church is raising money and supporting us to break the law in other countries. No, no, stay with me. They're saying, yes, we'll donate to you. We'll help you. We'll research you. Go break the law in North Korea. Go break the law in Iraq. Go break the law in Saudi Arabia. I mean, these places you can die, right, for passing out Bibles and and, and building churches and all this stuff. Go do it. This is what God's called you to do. The moment we're called to break the rules in our own country, people are like, oh, I don't know. It's funny, huh? But anyway, that last year was historic because you guys had literally just come out of lockdown. You just come out of shutdown, and we did that event, and we didn't know if anyone was going to come, and thousands of people showed up. And it was like God was using that gathering to catalyze the church and say, it's time to get back together. It's time to break through the fear. It's time to break through the 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 weird cloud of propaganda and deception. Let's just call it what it is. It's propaganda, it's deception, it's lies, and it's fear. That's just what it is. It's not science. We know that. It's fear. And so we broke through it last year, and and, and it was powerful. And then I'm sharing that with you because it started this chain reaction. We went to India. We had a lettuce worship in India, the largest Hindu nation in the world. We're going to Canada later this year. We're going to Australia later this year. And it all started here in South Africa. So give your guys a hand. I want you to turn in your Bible to Luke 24. I want to share this with you this morning. Um... I'm jumping on a plane to Israel um, pretty much right after this. And I feel like right now, I mean, I'm a very, like, happy, optimistic, joyful person. But I also feel like the time of, like, playing games is, like, over. It's been over. The time of like, like in the times that we're living in, there's no more room to sit in the middle. How long will you waver between two opinions? Like, I'm not talking about like political or any of that. I'm talking about darkness and the demonic. Like the difference between that and light and the goodness of God. Like, this is, the, this is what we're in right now. People try to make it really confusing and complex. Let me, heads up, it's not complex. 
like there's a, there's a rise of the spirit of the Antichrist that is in, 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 it is in such a massive measure right now across the world. Now, at the same time, as we witnessed on Friday, there's an extreme rising of the glory of God. People are like, is the darkness, is it going to get darker? Is it going to get brighter? I get this question asked all the time, and I always tell people both. I believe in victorious, I believe in victorious ending, but I believe it's going to get gnarly. I believe COVID was just a test. How much can we mess with people? Y'all think that? Some of you guys don't realize, like, there's powers and principalities at work. It has nothing to do with your health and safety. It's control. It's manipulation. And it's fear. And all of this stuff is predicted in here. But here's the good news. We know the end of the story. (laughs) The story didn't end on Friday. Sunday's coming. Tell someone, say, Sunday's coming. <laughs> so, um, so in my own nation, let me just give you an example of this. So in my own nation right now, again, I preface this by saying, um, I, it's funny because people call me, you're a Christian nationalist and a white supremacist and all these things, you know. It's like none of them ever stick, but I'm like, okay, keep coming with it. Keep it. And they obviously don't know, like, like, how many projects we have overseas, how many nations I've been to, how much of a missions guy I am. I'm like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. But keep going. You're funny. Um, they're, they're, but in my own nation, when the Lord really turned my heart, which was honestly growing up, I didn't really care about America that much. I really didn't. I just, you know, I kind of like just, I, I was born to go to the nations, man. That's my DNA. Like, going to the lost, going to the unreached, going, like, this is just what I've done. It's what my parents did. You know, it's what I do. It's what my kids have done. Katura has 38 stamps in her passport. She's 12. And, and, and so we love the nations. But when God, when COVID happened and everything shut down and all my international trips stopped, and the last international trip that I went on before everything stopped was South Africa. That was the last place I went. Like one last hurrah. Wish I would have known. I would have like missed my flight and ate more meat. And I would have like enjoyed it more. I was just in and out. It was a quick trip for me. And I just, I feel so broken about it. You know, I remember everything canceled, everything shut down. And I'm in California and it's psycho there. I'm like, you people have lost your mind. You're listening to a tyrannical, pharaoh-like governor try to tell you that your church can't worship and sing. This is ridiculous. And all of you are buying into it. The church is not essential. Strip clubs are open. Bars are open. Those are cool, but the church, ooh, they're the super spreaders. And so I had a choice. I, I was discouraged and disheartened, and it was either like, am I going to shrink back or am I going to fight? And if I fight, I'm going to lose friends. I'm going to apparently lose favor. Here's the funny thing. (coughs) Losing favor, which I thought I lost it all. And then God's like, yeah, I'm going to increase your platform just a little bit. Like 10x. And all the articles and all the hate and all the the mainstream media, all the attacks, they're just going to build it for you. 
And so we turned our focus to save our own nation, not because I wanted to, because it was the only thing I could do. I couldn't go anywhere. <clears throat> and then I started to see the control and the fear and the suicides. And I'll never forget when we, when we stepped on the Golden Gate Bridge that first time that we gathered, because Let Us Worship started as a pledge for people to sign online. Like, we will worship. We're not going to let the government tell us when and how we can worship. It's not biblical, and it's not according to the U.S. Constitution. So we're going to stand up, and we're going to worship whenever we want to worship, because we're the church of Jesus Christ that's been worshiping for 2,000 years. We're not going to let a little virus stop the church from doing what it's been doing for thousands of years. Some of you guys need to research church history. I mean, the church has gone through a lot worse things. So anyway, but on the bridge, what really struck me was is, is, is when we showed up and when, when we brought our guitars and when we did this prophetic act and it seemed so crazy and the city was on lockdown and California was locked down and everyone was filled with fear and, and we had a band of 300, you know, like Gideon. And they were the wild ones. I found the wild ones. They don't give a rip, man. They bring their shofars and their flags and they're crazy. Sometimes those people can ruin meetings, but you want those people with you when you're doing something crazy. And we met the first policeman that came to the bridge, and he was worried we were, do- we were maybe, like, protesting something or going to burn something down or whatever that was happening in that time. And I said, hey, no, no, we've come today because we want to pray. And I'll never forget, he was on a motorcycle, and he took off his helmet motorcycle bike he took off his helmet tears started streaming down his eyes down his face and he said what took you so long he said you're standing on the number one suicide destination in america he said i'm not allowed to talk about this but more people have died from suicide on this bridge than have died from covid in the whole state And here we are, like, if you love your neighbor, hide in your room while the world goes to hell. And I got so struck and stirred. And here's what I'm getting to. In Luke 24, we have this moment where one of the things that hit me was like, Okay, we're a healing culture. We're a prophetic culture. We live from another world. We don't live according to the narratives of the world. Why is everyone brainwashed? Anybody else think that? It's like we've been singing the songs, preaching the sermons, praying the prayers. What about living the life? And in Luke 24, you have this amazing story and... It's just funny because it's only in here one time. You know, pretty much the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a lot of the same stories interpreted in different ways. But they all end, Matthew, Mark, and John, the book, those books end with the resurrection. Right? Because that's how you want to end. You want to end with the the resurrection, the climax, the good part. The, he overcame death. He defeated 
you know, and then Jesus ascends into heaven and everyone's like, oh, you know, that's how those books end. Except for Luke. Luke's like, I'm going to slide one more story in there. I'm going to tell you about the people that were unaware that Jesus rose again. I'm going to tell you about the, and, and it's just, it's almost hard to imagine. It's almost hard to imagine that Jesus had defeated death and risen from the grave. And there were people out there that were depressed because they were unaware. I was joking in the first service. It's like too much BBC news, man. It's like, stop getting your report card on the kingdom from mainstream media. Those guys are demonic. They have agendas. Turn it off, man. Get in the word. Get in the spirit. Ask the Lord what he's doing in your generation. That's what's so powerful about Friday night. We're tuning out and we're saying, God, what are you doing in our generation? Oh, thousands of people are gathering. You're moving. People are getting saved and healed and delivered. That's the report card of heaven. So, <clears throat> Jesus is risen, verse Luke 24. What's the title of that chapter? Jesus is risen. It's kind of like Luke, man. Just, just end the story there. End on a good note. Don't you hate movies? Like, I hate it. Movies where it's like the main character at the end, he's like triumphant, and then like the last five minutes, he dies. Like randomly. You're like, why did you need to add that part? Like, I was in a good place mentally. And then all of a sudden, you ruined the whole thing. And, and so Luke kind of pulls one of those. He's like, yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. He says, but on the same day, two of them were going to a village called Eumaeus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you guys talking about? How's it? What are you talking about? Someone needs to develop like a South African translation. That, what are you discussing as you walk along together? They stood still, their faces downcast. Now think about this. He appeared, I think, three times to different people. Can you imagine Jesus pouring his life into these people for three years? Finally convincing them he is who he says he is. Defeating death, being killed by the people that once loved him, rising again, and deciding I'm going to appear a few times to people. One of the times I'm going to appear to people that are so depressed they don't even recognize me. Like, these guys should be having a party on the street. It's like, what is their problem, man? Like, they should be eating biltong and celebrating and skipping around and dancing and singing and, and jumping. And instead, Jesus shows up and he's like, what are you guys doing? They stood still, their faces downcast. Totally unaware of the season in which they live. This is like so much of the church in 2023. They bought into this lie and this brainwashing 
that God is dead, that he's not moving, that the nations are in, 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 in crisis and that, that there's hope, hopelessness, and that's why the church is so bound in depression. This is why the church is the number one place where people need pills just to stay happy. They've forgotten who they are. So it says, they stood still, their face downcast. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, are you the one, are you only visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? They're like, Jesus, are you not on Twitter? Like, like, where are you, like, what's going on? Like, how are you so disconnected? They're telling Jesus that he's the one disconnected from their narrative. Like, they're so convinced in their story that they're rebuking Jesus for not plugging into the narrative that they have. It's like, God, it's like, that's, that's us Christians. God, you just don't know how hard it is. So difficult down here. Are you only visiting Jerusalem? He does not know the things that have happened. Jesus goes, what things? Tell me more. About Jesus of Nazareth. Who they're looking at. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You know, they just start venting. And what is more, it is the third day since all this has taken place. They, they forgot what was happening on the third day. It's the third day. It's like, yeah, he told you a zillion times what was going to happen on the third day. It's the third day. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. That should have been a clue. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like I don't know how you can leave Friday night with thousands of people getting wrecked before God and say I don't know if God's moving in our country I don't know we're just you know I'm like they didn't find his body they came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive I mean this gets really bad guys it's like Okay, so now we know that they talked to the women that said his body wasn't there. Now we know that the women explained to them that they had a vision of angels. Like, they're digging themselves a hole here. They're not just like aloof and unaware. They actually have insight and knowledge to the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. And they don't believe it. Some of you in here, you've seen miracles. You've seen God do crazy things with your own eyes. And yet you choose to continue to live in unbelief. You have no excuse. So he said to them, some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. Because we didn't trust the women, so we had to send someone else. But they did not see Jesus. And then Jesus looks at him and it's just like, can you imagine? He just looks at him and he's probably thinking, Lord, why? Why am I surrounded? Like, it's the thing I love about Jesus is he never, he never chose like the brightest people, you know. 
That should make some of you feel really good. But the kindness of the Lord that's available to us today. The kindness of the Lord that's accessible is not that he's come to shame you. That's not what it's about. This may seem like an intense word to some of you, but I want to be very clear. This is not a shaming. Shame and condemnation is, is, doesn't come from the Lord. Now, he could have easily smited them and, and sent them off into the abyss and been like, you idiots, I wasted my life on you. But instead, look at what Jesus does. Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. He took the time to remind them again. Things they should have already known. Do you see the patience and the long-suffering of the Son of God? Do you feel His heart that none should perish? Like, He doesn't want anyone to miss it. He doesn't want anyone to miss it. So even though you've seen the miracles, you've experienced the encounters, you've had the signs and wonders, you've actually, out of anybody, should be the first people to believe, but you don't. Instead of shaming you because you had all those experiences and you still don't believe, I'm just going to remind you again. I'm going to remind you in compassion until you believe. It's his kindness that draws us back. It's like God is, he didn't rise from the dead to laugh at you and taunt you for all your mistakes. And to tell you how foolish and stupid you are and what a horrible person you are and what a sinner you are. No, he rose again so that you could draw near to the Father and get freed. This is what I love about our altar calls right now. Guys, I've never experienced this. Ever in my life. The presence of God is showing up in all these cities. And we're doing the hard stuff. Like nothing is off the table. Every time we have a gathering. I say those that are here that are battling same-sex attraction, transgenderism, sexual identity issues. God wants to free you. You know what? Every single time I say that, young people flood the altar. Why? The presence. It's so inviting. It's not heavy-handed. They want to get free. I remember hugging this lady a couple months ago. She was in the middle of transitioning. I mean, that's a foul, demonic, perverted spirit that is operating right now. And it's not just in America. It's going global. It's attacking the identity of sons and daughters. And so just as fearfully as it's coming, I'm fearfully going after it. I remember hugging this lady that was in the middle of transitioning. I only know that because she told me. Hormones, all this stuff to become a man. 
And I just began, she just began weeping. And I just said, you are a beautiful daughter of the king. And we just began to break the lies off. And I had these women surround her. And freedom came to her life that day. She stopped the hormones. She stopped the therapy. She ended up feeling free to be the woman of God she's called to be. (laughs) But it wasn't. It wasn't heavy-handed. It was just the presence. It was just God and his kindness. And that's what happens when he shows up. He walks with us and he says, listen. He doesn't tell us the things we think he should tell us. Like, you've been in church your whole life. You've seen this and this happen. You've been filled with the Spirit. You've seen miracles. No, he doesn't say any of that. He just says, hey, let me just remind you. You've forgotten. And so you guys know the end of the story, but they break bread and they're at the table. And Moses, you can come up here. And they, and all of a sudden, the blinders come off their eyes and they're aware suddenly. They realize it's Jesus. He's been with us the whole time. I remember seasons in my life where I'm like, it's like that whole, you know that old school p- painting called Footprints? Like it was in like every grandma's house in America. There's two sets of tracks in the sand. And Lord, what happened when there was one set? That was when I carried you, you know? My grandma loved that. But it's powerful, like thinking about he's been there the whole time. I will never leave you or forsake you. He's just waiting for your heart to turn to him. And the beautiful thing is about the story, and Luke finally gets to the glory part. It's like, Luke, we just had the resurrection, and now we're, everyone's depressed again. And then it ends. It ends, the story ends, you know, with them looking at each other. And imagine that moment. I don't know, man. Do you feel embarrassed? You feel like a fool? Like I was just sitting with the person I was complaining about. And he never once made me feel shame. I'm like, just, just go there for a minute. Imagine that moment where they're sitting there together. And they realize, OMG, that was Jesus. And the first thing that comes out of their mouth to each other in that moment was not we feel condemned. We feel like the scum of the earth. We're horrible people. No, no. The first thing that comes out of their mouth was our hearts burned when he was with us. You know, that's that thing. It's like people don't remember what you say. They remember how you made them feel. It's a psychological thing. It's true. They don't remember what you say. They remember how they felt when you said it. Well, they're saying our heart was on fire when we were with him. We felt him like we, we feel so alive. For the first time, we feel so alive. And I just want to say this morning... There are people here. It's time for you to feel alive again. 
And this is not a shame thing. You could have been saved for 40 years. You could be able to preach a sermon better than I can today. Probably a lot of you can. But for whatever reason, you've bought into layers of unbelief and layers of disappointment and layers of discouragement. And you're here on Easter and you're like, Easter, woo, he's risen. Post a graphic on Facebook. But in your heart, you're not actually living like he's risen. Like in your life, your life pattern, your mindset, like the way that you do your life, you're not living as if the Son of God has been raised from the dead. You can't hide over it with as many cross t-shirts as you want. Just the reality is, is you're not living in a resurrected season. Today, it's time to live in a new season. The old is gone and the new has come. Come on, I want you guys to stand up. The old is gone and the new has come. We honor the king by living in the fullness of what he has. Too many people are living down here at a low level. Jesus didn't pay the price so you could live down here. Too many people are brainwashed. I've never seen people in the church across the world so brainwashed right now. It's unbelievable to me. And I have these purposeful, small talk conversations to see where people are at. Every time I go to a country. So what do you think about this and this and that? Well, it's really difficult and it's really horrible and it's really... And I'm like, yeah, I can't imagine living your life. That's what you think all the time. That doesn't sound like a victorious resurrected season. I want to tell you today, as a worship leader and a preacher that has been attacked and persecuted more than I could ever imagine in the last two to three years. Death threats against my family sent to my house, like uh, uh, literally physically assaulted by Antifa. Uh, Satanists have poured bowls of blood on us. I mean, witchcraft, seances, mayors and governors have fined us. I'm the number one COVID violator in 15 states. I'm enemy number one. I'm, I'm like on the top of the list for the LGBTQ community. Like, I mean, I could go on and on and on. But I'm telling you, as somebody that's faced what I faced, there is great glory and joy in this season. And we have to be the people of God that access it. We have to stop living down here. And so this is what I want to do. If you're here today and you would just say like, Sean, I, I, I kind of feel like I've been those guys on that road that I know everything. I knew a lot of stuff. And I don't know, man. I've just, I've just let the world or my circumstances or my situation, I've just been bummed. And the first thing to see that change is to be honest. At least they were honest with Jesus. I think he appreciated that. They didn't fake it. They were honest. And I feel like today it's time for us to be honest. If we're not 
living to the fullness of the potential of what he's called. And we've allowed layers of unbelief. We've allowed compromise. We've allowed sin. We've allowed stuff. See, offense and sin and, and offense and, 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 and addiction and sin, a lot of that begins in the place of unbelief. And it manifests into something in your life that begins to grow. It's like a cancer. So if you're here and you're in that group or you're here and you're just like, listen, I've never fully given my whole life over. Even though I know a lot about church or maybe I don't. Like, like I want to step into that fullness today. If you're in either one of those categories, I just want you to come right down here. Now, now. Come on. Take a step. Take a bold step of faith. I want to pray over you. No shame. Come on, be the first. Be the first one. Be the first one to say, yeah, I want my heart set on fire. Come on. I know there's more than this. Come on. I know everybody in this room is not living to the fullness. Come on, come down here. Take a stand. Be bold. Be honest. Come on, make room, make room. I want to pray over you because I feel like this is not like there's a certain amount of sobriety. It's not like we're charismatic people. So we do altar calls every night. We're going to have an encounter. No, no. This to me is like a life change. This is a moment where it's like, no, Resurrection Sunday, 2023, my heart came alive and I'm never letting it go, die again. I'm never letting the fire go out. This is that kind of a moment. I think there's a few more people. I'm just going to wait a few minutes more. Come on, if you're, if you're out there. Come on, be honest. It's something about taking a bold step. Say, if we honor him before the Lord, if we honor God in, in public, he'll honor us before the Lord. So come down here and I want to pray. Just lift your hands up if you're down here. In Jesus' name, I break off the spirit of shame. I break off the spirit of shame off of every single person down here. I break off condemnation off of every person down here. I thank you, Jesus. That you did not rise again to rebuke us for our unbelief, but you rose again to fill us with fresh faith. We have been through a difficult season. Many people here have been through a difficult, hard season. It's called life. Hardships that we endure. Things don't go the way that we thought expectations aren't met and all of a sudden discouragement and hopelessness and disillusionment comes in. Lord, I pray today, break that off in Jesus' name. Release a fire on their heart that incinerates all of the funk, God, all of the cloud, all of the haze. I feel like, I felt this in the first service, but I also feel it now. Like some of you up here, you're like, if you're honest, you would say, I have just been living in a haze. Like, I just feel so dull. And I feel like the Lord is coming today to bring clarity back to your heart again. And you say, how do I get that clarity? I'll tell you how you get that clarity. 
Go back to what you did in the beginning. Shut off the noise of the world. Separate from friends that all they do is speak negative. Get alone with Jesus. Turn on worship music. Shut off the TV. Let God remind you again. Sit with Jesus so your heart can begin to burn. I thank you, Lord, today, God, that you're breaking off. I I just feel like, um, like generational addictions. I feel like generational addictions, like my dad struggled with this and his dad struggled with this and now I struggle with this. We break off that generational curse and addiction in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that you paid the price on Calvary so that new cycles could happen, so that new freedom could be found. Come on, just begin to profess your love for Jesus. Begin to profess your allegiance. For the old has gone And the new has come We are free from fear We're found in your love A new creation We're children of God For the old has gone Come on, declare that Come on, everybody. Everybody today. Come on, Resurrection Sunday. And for the old has gone, and the new has come, we are free from fear. We're found in your love. A new creation, the children of God. For the old has gone And the new has come Now come on, just do this with me Come on, just begin to walk Come on, begin to walk It's a new day Come on, it's a new day It's a new day Oh, the old is gone The new has come One foot in front of the other One foot in front of the other stepping I'm stepping into your promises eyes fixed eyes fixed on all that's before me I'm stepping in I'm stepping into your promises come on one foot in front of the other come on sing it out one foot in front of the other I'm stepping into your promises I fixed on all this before me I'm stepping into your promise Come on, the old is gone, the old is gone For the old has gone 
and the new has come. We are free from fear. We're found in your love. A new creation. We're children of God. For the old has gone. And the new. Now just begin to thank him for the newness today. Come on, just begin to thank him. Come on, just begin to thank him. Come on, begin to thank him. Come on, something's happening over your life as you just begin to thank him for a new day, a new season. A season of life, a season of freedom, a season of hope, a season of advancing, a season, a season of stepping in to the fullness of your calling. I just prophesy over you, you are going somewhere. You are going somewhere. just say this and then pray and then we can be done but um, in 2020 I uh, I was so discouraged because I had this really like cool plan mapped out for my life you all ever feel that like I got a really good plan for my life Lord let me just tell you my plan's awesome and um, and then it took a left turn, and I'm just like running for Congress. I'm doing this political thing. I'm just like, what is happening? And did I hear God? And I don't know. And then I lost. And then it's just like, and I remember sitting at home with my wife and just being, for the probably one of the first times in my life, like, I just missed it. <clears throat> and I just was weeping. I'm like, I just, I must have missed God. Like, this was not factored into my journey. And, um, and then when the pandemic hit, because I never thought I'd lead worship again. I never thought I would do ministry. I was probably going to move to New York and crush it in the business world. And, and, uh, then the Lord started to speak to me in these seasons where I thought I missed it. And he said, you know, I wanted to show you things that you needed to see. So part of the reason we did what we did was because I had seen behind the veil government. I'd seen things people don't see. And so I had a knowledge and an awareness of, hey, there's an agenda behind this. This is how we need to respond. And now I look back and I see how I was so discouraged and heartsick because I felt I missed the Lord. But like journeying with God is like a river. It's not like a straight line. It's like we're, we're humans. Like we think we're really smart. We're like the point A to point B where you go straight. And God's like, eh, I'm going to bring you over here, down here, up here. It's like the life of Joseph, you know. Like here, 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 here. And then, yeah, we're going to wind up there. 
And I, I share that testimony with you because now like we're, we're in a place of, that's I never even dreamed would be possible. The things that God's allowing us to do and be a part of and have influence. And I mean, it's just, it's otherworldly. Um, and I think that there's some people in this room that you, if you, if you were really honest, you felt like you missed it. And you, you carry that with that pain. Like, I think I miss God. And I just want to pray over you. Raise your hand if that's you, if you're in here. Just be honest. I feel like I just miss God. I want to just speak over you. See, some of you are just weeping because you, you know that that's the truth. And you live with that pain. You live with that heartache. You are not the author of your own story. So release control right now. Release control of your story. God, I thank you today that you're bringing healing and you're bringing restoration to those that felt like they missed it. Lord, we thank you. that you've already factored in the twists and turns that they're in. You've already factored in the the time and the places in which it means. You've already factored it all in. You know the end from the beginning. It says in the Word of God that you wrote the book, that you are the author, that you're the finisher, and that all of our days have been written in your book before any of them came to be. And so I speak over those people Right now in Jesus' name, I break off that shame and that heartache. And I speak over them. I speak over their destiny. I say, you are going somewhere. It's not just a song with cheesy motions. It's a truth. You're going somewhere. Come on, just say that. I'm going somewhere. He's bringing you somewhere. From glory to glory, he's taking you and he's factored in all of the errors you think you've done. And if you trust him and if you give him your yes, remember thinking, God, I don't even care about politics. I don't like, people are going to hate me for this. I'm in the musician world. But I gave you my yes. All right. One day it's North Korea. The next minute it's U.S. Congress. I have no idea. If, if you've given him your yes, then trust him. One of the greatest promises for believers, this does not apply to unbelievers. I want to be really clear. This scripture doesn't work for people that don't know God. It only works for people that know and trust God, but he'll work all things together. And if it's not good yet in your story, guess what? It's not the end of the story. Trust me. If your story's not good yet, hang in there because he's not done. You're going somewhere. Amen? Come on, can we just thank him? Can we just thank him? Come on, let's just thank him today. Thank you, Jesus.
He's risen. And He's alive. Because He's alive, we can live. Every single one of us. We've been called. We've been chosen. We've been adopted. We're His. And I'm calling all of us to account. Hold us accountable for the life that He's given us. No going back. No going back. Come on, breakthrough. No going back. super serious to much to those who much has been given much will be required the Lord didn't send Andy to us last weekend and his good friend Sean this weekend it's not a coincidence. We didn't plan this. They didn't plan it. Harvest is ripe. He's made us ready. There's no going back. The situation in this country is a perfect setup for the advance of the kingdom. And he's positioned us to be a part of that advance. Come on, family. We're an army. And we're marching forward. Because his kingdom is a victorious kingdom. You say yes to that? So report for training next Sunday morning. I'm serious. serious we don't just come when we feel like it it's not how an army works come on guys we've got ground to take we've got things to do we've got battles to win not just fight to win yay the best is yet to come can we just lift a shout of praise and thanksgiving to him Sean, just remember your membership here at Breakthrough. We'll see you soon. Can we just appreciate Sean? And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon us, within us, and remain with us now and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen.
Come on, give five people a hug. Tell them they're amazing. Take them for coffee downstairs. Have a victorious day. God bless. Take care.